welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Um... This is long, long overdue, man. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't if I had a dollar for every uh, person that asked me when uh, I was either going to have you on or me be on yours, I could probably go, I don't know, buy a quiver. But yeah, there's been several people that have bugged me about it, so I'm glad. I appreciate you getting me on here. Yeah, yeah. Well, in case you don't recognize the voice, it's Aaron Schneider. Um, definitely a needed authority in the archery industry and um you've got uh you've got a kafaro kafaro um podcast now um correct um yeah kafaro cast that's yep. what i thought it was i did, i wanted to make sure i said it correctly um and then formally with gritty bowman so um this is we kind of we kind of paved the way in educating archers in different formats with podcasting. And it's amazing how it's taken off. I mean, this, this podcasting world is, I mean, it is lit on fire right now, which I think is good. And in a, maybe in a way bad, but what's your feelings on it? I think good information is good. I think bad information is bad. And I think you have, um, you get a lot of both. Um, I think that, uh, uh, for example, I just started shooting a trad bow again. Um, I've had some success with it, but by no means should you be listening to a whole lot of advice from me about the traditional archery or recurve bow. I think some people will start. I think there is some bad information. Basically, what I'm saying is listen to John Dudley or me. That's what I'm saying about um, <laughs> archery. <laughs> no, you just be careful who you get info from. It is good and bad both. Yeah, well, I'm the same way. Years ago, I actually, um, I did, I, sh- I shouldn't even say I did trad archery. I'd literally set up, um, for a short period of time, um, Matthews did, um, did some pretty high-end bamboo recurves. I don't know if you knew that, but... um, I I remember, yeah. Yeah, and when we were doing some of those, um, one of the first ones that we built, we kind of passed it around, and I thought, I'm going to go out and try something with this, and literally went out and kind of sprayed the targets a few times, and then I went out, and I actually... I'm trying to... I wish I could find it, but I self-filmed a whitetail that I killed uh, with that bow. And mm-hmm. I, I literally told myself this was such luck. I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> like I felt like I had no control of what the hell was like when I shot, I realized when I shot and let go of the string, I, I remember thinking like, where is this arrow going? And that was for me, that was a really weird feeling when it was on an animal so I just kind of thought, all right, I'm 100% right now with a recurve bow and an animal. So I'm like done. And then uh, I tried it about maybe 10 years later with a longbow that my grandfather had made for me. on a. I shot a turkey with it. And the same thing, I shot it 
few times for practice and then shot it one time and got the turkey and i thought okay i've done that but i definitely don't want people asking me questions about it and even even on the olympic style side of things years ago just because so many people asked me questions about olympic style archery i actually kind of set my compound down for a year and just shot the olympic style recurve and got some good coaching from former olympians and stuff and i really just wanted i wanted to have enough knowledge to where if someone was in my seminar or in my environment and asked me a question i could give them an i could give them you know somewhat of a educated response based on experience and me being able to kind of weigh out the similarities between the two but in no way go out and do a seminar specific or even I would never even try to do a podcast specific about either one of those two things and I think that's what kind of circles all the way back to what you and I are saying is some people just literally suck up a little bit of knowledge from me or you or someone else and then next thing you know they've got this podcast and they're talking about it and the messages get mixed to people that are thirsty for for education. Now, for sure, and and I mean Brian and I talked about it, and Frank and I have talked about it. He's my partner on the Kafaru Cast. That you you we don't dive into. Um, it's not my job to go into the in depth stuff that you do. I'm more of a broadsword. You're a scalpel. Is kind of how I put it to Frank, where I can talk about my you know, thoughts, let's say, on arrow weight or three-fetch versus four-fetch straight versus helical, you know, things like that. But, you know, even though I have the knowledge in my noggin to maybe go into a lot more depth on a podcast, I don't see a reason because I just send them to, to you, right? I, For the most part, what I've seen you talk about is going to be the same thing that I say anyway. So I'm going to talk about other crap, right? I'm going to talk about backpack hunting or something else and give people a a base of how to operate a hinge style release or a a pressure release type you know something like that where i leave it up to you man you're much better at than i am i i don't have the patience to be totally honest Uh, i got enough problems answering the questions i get now so i'm i'm happy there's you know kind of two uh i say two there's multiple but i trust what you say and i'm happy to push people your way on that so yeah, I remember you called me after the Hoyt launch, and I think you knew that I had some for a while. And you're like, "Dude, I would way rather just let's answer. Let's let me ask you all these questions about these new Hoyts rather than me try to get out and do all the homework and have to answer myself." And what was funny is you and I both said, "Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it." And then we were like, okay, when should we do it? And then we both looked at our hunting schedules and we both are like, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come back around to this in February. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for, for sure. What, um, so what made you want to get back into the trad side of things? Oh, a few different reasons. Mostly I just, man, it's more intense. I mean, I think. I'm all, yeah, Rogan on a pod, I mean, I don't know what it was, whatever, we were all sitting there, and I said, I'm going trad this year, and he looked at me, you know, straight as face could be, he's like, why do you want to be less accurate? And I thought, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure that out myself, and it is a very good question, right? I mean, why would you want to be less accurate? And for me, it's the adrenaline rush I get getting inside, 
you know, hopefully of 20. I mean, I'll shoot out to 40. Um, and I was using the compound as a crutch. Um, I'm not opposed to shooting animals at farther distances. And for whatever reason, I get the stick in my hand. I just won't do it. I won't, you know, what I mean, like I'm not going to, I mean, 40s, a poke, that's a, you know, a par two for a lot of people with a recurve where I've shot animals, you know, over a hundred yards with a compound. Um, not, I mean, you know, not whatever, without the debate of that aside, the feeling I get going from 16 hunting with the trad bow to 17 hunting with the compound, I just was like, you know, I think that stick bow is just for me. I, um, I like, I guess I like the frustration of, um, you know, the whatever. I, I like to, to have a, you know, what what's the word? It's not necessarily the challenge. It's it's more than that, but uh, that would be my easiest answer. <laughs> yeah, well, I understand where you're, because I actually felt the same. Um, you know, you almost need, you need a new incentive to really be into it because it's, it's easy. Like, I'm actually a, a pretty bad example of an archer because... I feel like I can put my bow down for a very long period of time and pick it up and still be at a level to where most people are going to be like, oh, dude, you're shooting really good. Not that it's at my peak level, but it's still at a level to where, you know, when you're looking at the average, it's still good. So it's easy to get sloppy that way and not necessarily have that that fire lit underneath you. Whereas when I had to learn to shoot with my mouth tab, it was legitimately learning. Like I was, con- I was continually like, okay, I need to figure out a whole new arrow combination. What freaking broadheads fly with freaking shooting with this jacked up porpoising? You know, it's like it's it was, oh, a, yeah. you know, it was it was like a whole new, a whole new level of training. And I think anyone that has right. a competitive nature, uh, that's one of the things that uh that gets tough for people when you're competitive is having at least for me is having something to train for or something to actually gun for no i agree 100 percent, and i'm a piss poor example of an archer myself uh going along the lines with what you said uh the fire when i got a new bow uh in 1998 i would take a day off work and call in sick to set it up fast forward to 2015 i could have three new bows in the box sit there for three weeks before i'd even think about trying to put them together a compound now go to 16 i could not stop shooting i was enthralled with archery again there was a newfound love for it I would, and, and it's one because I'm a green, I'm a greenie, right? There's so much to learn, so many different things to, to tackle that I just don't know. Uh, and so, yeah, it just found a new love for archery, and I, I think you know that's a, that way with a lot of people. Um, and I, I mean, I've tried to tell friends of mine that are getting kind of burnt out on the compound, like, hey, pick pick up a stick. I also ones that talk shit about how good they are, I also say pick up a stick and see how good you are, because it definitely woke my, me up to what you had to do to kill something with a recurve. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my – one of I shouldn't even call him, a, like, one of my staffers because he's, he's a friend more than anything, but um, more one of my buddies, um, Justin Hackett, who is – I have two brothers, Jamie and Justin, um, the Hackett brothers of – done stuff for my tv show for a long time 
and uh, really, really good friends. And Justin is, he's more into trad equipment than he is the compound. And when I go to camp and watch him shoot, like if you shoot with a, with a real traditional archery guy, 35 and under, I guarantee you, you won't recognize the difference if all you're looking at is their groups, if they're legitimate. Because they can freaking shoot. I mean, it is super impressive. And in many yeah, ways... Yeah, no, I would agree. Like, go, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, in many ways, it, you could argue he's probably more of a legitimate archer than I am. I mean, I would say, like, wholeheartedly, if someone says, what you know, which one of you are better archers? And I'm like, well, if it's just 35 or less, he's a better archer. Because he can freaking do that thing. I can't do that. You know, I'm gonna be. I'm pumped when I hit the target. Yeah, I, I mean, really, like I, if you're at fifth, at forty, a paper plate and uh, a cantaloupe or softball at thirty-five, uh, and then a baseball roughly at thirty to twenty. Um, most, I don't think people realize, and this is an internet grouping. This is no bullshit groups. Like any time, any day. A trad guy doing that is lethal, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, most guys, you go to local outdoor range, you know, you got 20-minute wait time because everybody's looking for arrows um, after they shoot, where agreeing with you, you know, truly, um, you know, dedicated traditional shooters, it's a, it's an art form, and watching somebody shoot like that with no sights, no rest, you know, finger release, uh, you know, and I don't know how lethal he is, but like for me, if I see a guy waylaying, um, you know, the, the, the greener inner circle on a Reinhardt 18 and one at 40 and getting dialed in even closer on the way in, you know, that guy's put some work in. I mean, he's done some solid, solid work to get to that point and, and it is an art and it's cool to watch. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, what, um, I mean, do you think it makes your compound archery better? It did, um, and I don't know, like, it's not like I've ever won any, you know, Olympic tournaments or, or ASAs, but, you know, like, going from being able to shoot, you know, hunting-related, right, out to 80 to 100 um, really well, right? Like, you know, 100, a paper plate at 100 is, in my opinion, with a compound pretty freaking good, Um to even dial that in more well that was from shooting a stick bow um and i'm not saying i can do that all the time but i mean when you really pay attention to your setup to your you know like you you hear guys my mechanicals and fixed hit the same at 80 i'm like well your group's the size of a stop sign how would you know <laughs> you know to a guy that you know truly can tell um grouping differences from a two and three quarter three inch vein or whatever a guy that would know the difference for me, immediately when I picked the compound back up, I'm like, wow, that made me quite a bit better. Um, mostly because I had to focus so much more on back tension to execute. Because I kind of sh shoot a clicker on the, the recurve, and, you know, I hold back more than, you know, back in the day snap shooters, right? I hold two to three seconds at anchor before I, you know, perform my shot. With the clicker? Well, I think doing with the no no once the click goes off meaning once i anchor it takes me about three seconds to go to get through the click. okay okay um okay. no no that would be really bad i was um, like it's like what is this shoulders the size of Arnold. <laughs> yeah it's new um a delayed but, uh, clicker you know, shot takes, okay 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what really creates target panic. I triple click. Uh, once, uh, about, you know, two to three seconds, once I get to anchor to get through that clicker, uh, I think doing that, um, you know, and I have a local range here, uh, it's Rocky Mountain Specialty. They got four or 500 traditional bows on the wall at one time. Oh, gosh. And Tom Clum, uh, senior, who's, he's a level four coach. He is a, wizard and i tell you he catapulted me ahead of everyone with that recurve and so i skipped a lot of the um uh trials and tribulations that most guys are going to have well the only thing that was bad he ingrained in my brain back tension so much i was overdrawing like ripping the limbs off uh i had to put a clicker on because you know, I was just forcing in my head, okay, back tension, back tension, back tension, where I would actually take back tension, true back tension out of it, and maybe be like, you know, forcing it with my, my, um, my forearm and my shoulder, and I really had to get a hold of that because I was ingrained so much to pull through the shot, um, you know, so in my own redneck over-muscled way, it was kind of overcompensating, um, so it definitely made me a better compound archer. Um, it also, in the same time I could shoot farther, it made me get closer with a compound, which was weird. But <laughs> Well, I don't know. There's so many unique correlations. There's so many things that, you know, with archery, there's so many things that, that tie the two together. Um, these things that we're talking about are obvious ones, but the ones that aren't so obvious to me is, um, you know, I know – you're pretty adamant about your physical training because of your background. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really passionate about my weight training, not because I'm trying, you know, I'm not the guy in our industry that is the, the workout guy. You know, I'm not the, I'm not the workout guru. I'm, I'm kind of the archery guy, but I will say every single day, fitness is part of my routine and it's what I really like about it is how much it helps enhance my mind and muscle coordination and the connection even more so than the coordination archery and becoming you know people want to know how to become steady I really feel like a big part of steadiness and understanding of the body and what's going on is you having the ability to have micro control of muscle groups that some people don't even know they have. It's a lot like when someone hasn't worked out for a while and then they go and do like their first workout and then they're like, I don't even know I have muscles back there. It's like, okay, imagine taking that muscle group that you're talking about and then try to figure out a way to, to reduce that down to where you're literally using individual strands or sections within that muscle group. That's the kind of things that I try to do during my workouts, which I think really translate into your body's ability to really do things like archery to where you have these micro muscle controls and you're really able to limit down what's actually being used to manipulate a release or to pull through that shot and actually have that shot execute you know so many people might understand back tension but they're using a mass that might be you know the size of your hand versus i try to limit it down to where now i'm using muscle groups that are like the size of a few fingers 
And yeah. I think weightlifting has been a big contributor to that. No, I, I agree. And I, I mean, to, to kind of stray off to what you first said, I'm kind of like you. I work out every day. I don't post selfies in the gym every day. I'm not, hey, this is how you do this. But I think it's important that I get the point across, and I think you're in the same boat, that, that I do work out, that it that is important, and I'm doing it for a reason. And I agree, uh, like you say, as far as, I mean, in my opinion, you are honing your body like you would a tool to find the most perfect possible tool for a specific job. You're basically doing that to your body, and the gym is part of that, um, whether it be the execution of the shot, whether it be, you know, hiking up the side of a mountain, you're basically trying to hone that body to be the best it can be at what you do. Now, I'm not a poster child for, for fitness. I, it's just not my, I mean, you want to go, you know, run in tights and take poster photos. I don't have a problem with that. I just think getting the point of cross of why you're doing it is more important than doing it and, and focusing and teaching those aspects of it, which I think is kind of like what's going along the lines with what you're saying um and and i guess what i it wouldn't do me any good to tell everybody i'm going to the gym every day if i didn't i didn't tell them why what what was the reason um Um, and i think that's the most important what um do you think if you were do you think when you go back to a compound from your recurve do you think you'll do anything different with your release aids now that you've been shooting that clicker in your fingers do you think you'd be able to to shoot a clicker on your hinge and feel the same um i shoot a clicker on my hinge now and i always like forever have i don't think that anything would one i don't think i'm gonna go back to a compound as crazy as that is but two that uh i went to the clicker on the recurve because of the clicker on the compound and the way that my brain works i think that the the question in reverse would have been better. Like, are you going to do anything different when you pick the recurve back up? Because it really, I only did that um, uh, on the recurve because of how I operated my compound bow. So I don't, I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't do anything different just because the way how my brain works. That that click is paramount for me on that that hinge style release. Um, some people say it's cheating. In, in my opinion, that unless you have a hinge style release set up so hot it is almost impossible to operate true back tension again in my opinion with a hinge style on a cam without a clicker unless you have it set up so hot tony Klim is a good example he's got it rotated so far forward a little bit different story most people that operate a hinge style release um you know they're just rotating it with their hand until it goes off that's not really back tension. That's just rotating your hand and doing 90% of what needs to be done correctly. And again, in my opinion, you're doing a, a lot good of opinion, things, right? It's a good opinion. But you're just rotating your hand till it goes off. I did it forever. Did great. But I didn't do as good as I possibly could until I got that clicker. Um, because once it hit that click, I was able from that click forward to operate what I feel is true back tension. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well... I actually did a podcast with Brian at the Western Expo. We kind of went into detail about this, and um, I just started. I just released a hinge release that I've been working on for a year, 
Um, and I've done a couple videos actually talking about that. And I talked about the different methods of shooting it because there's several, but, um, you know, I really like, and I don't know if you know this, do you know, Tony and I were partners in Reading? Man, he might've, he might've told me that it was, he's the one that taught me how to shoot a hinge release like in 1999 or something crazy. So yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he mentioned it at some point in time. That's funny. Yeah. Him and well, see him and I shoot a hinge the same now. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I actually haven't really gone into detail about how I'm shooting my hinge personally in my videos because to mo for most people that have never shot a hinge, it's, um, it's, it would be like going to an MMA, MMA class. Like you're going to jack yourself in the face <laughs> because like most people cannot mine Broadwaters and Tony Clem's release, you could not pull them back. Most people could not pull them back. Well, I mean, again, so I shot when I went from shooting a back tension, it was stair step or a hinge style. I rotated it until I got comfortable with how Tony shot his. And then I shot a maybe a longhorn so freaking hot that, again, people would break their face. But I hunt with a back tension, with a hinge, excuse me. And that's just not the most conducive thing to hunting. So that's when the clicker kind of kicked in because truly, I, I mean, I, I've never shot with you, but with Tony, you, if you watched us, my hand is rotated so far forward, my thumbs touching my index finger. And then when I shoot, you can, my finger and my hand is so relaxed. It looks like the release is going to set fly out of my fingers, but it is so precise when I don't have that clicker on, if you're aiming up and downhill, you really have to have your shit together. Like you really <laughs> need to know. Um, yeah. And so I got to a point later where the clicker, it was just easier to have a little bit of a safety. Um, and I could still perform it the same way. And I had arrows to Jesus everywhere when I first started shooting a hinge, um, just spraying them, trying to figure it out. And then Tony's the one that actually showed me how to operate it correctly from there on out because you can imagine nobody around to teach you trying to do use a hinge yeah i had bloody nose bloody lips arrows all over the outdoor range and then thank god tony told me how and, and showed me um and it's very effective i think for most part people probably should start out shooting um your pressure release uh system i think that's a lot better for a lot of people because the hinge is so scary for everyone yeah i sent i just sent you a link and it's actually uh it's a link of me practicing in december with my hinge and it was actually set up the way that the way that tony and i would shoot it so that one was set really hot and you can see that my hand is actually very relaxed and it's you know there's a disclaimer when i say that listeners a relaxed hand like we have a there's an abundance of people letting go of their releases and shooting their riser so there's there's a correlation between the hand being relaxed and extended versus tight to where you're actually rolling and manipulating and i think I think there's stages to it, but when you really want to start to, um, when you, the more you learn the release and the more you start to understand how a hinge works, 
I'm a big believer in um, the clicker only is a safety. Like I don't, I don't feel like I think a clicker is just important for people that are learning that um, you know want to get their hand to a certain percentage of movement before they actually start kind of their their tension and you know I'm I kind of build build slight pressure on the back wall I'm not super aggressive I feel like very dynamic like super dynamic movement on the back wall especially the back walls now on today's bows um, you can start to actually pull yourself off the target so learning the importance of like preload and how you know really learning the feel of your back wall there's too many people that change releases too much and they mess around with their equipment too much that they never really learn this super finite feel which really separates guys you know you look at guys like tony myself uh dave step was another one that was uh very very good at it um you know they and and honestly those guys um like me, my my index it, finger is actually. If I show you my index finger, it's actually rolled, like turned and rolled under my middle finger just a little bit, just from years and years and years and years. You know, it's twenty years of shooting essentially with one finger. Um, yep. You know, is more or less how you probably how, poke a hole through a coke can with your index with your pointer finger. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. I have a super strong pointer finger, and it's from drawing back 80 pounds shooting a back a hinge style. Yep, yep. Well, I think, uh, I think, but you know what? When it comes to like lefts and rights, it's like I feel like my lefts and rights are the best, bar none, with a hinge release. I feel like I feel like I can shoot great with a. A trigger release i feel like i can shoot great with the wrist strap release everything but when it comes to like the way i shoot a hinge and actually having more or less the majority of the weight on that one finger and then barely relaxing that finger so the release is naturally just pivoting with hardly any head and loop torque until that thing goes off i feel like my lefts and rights are just ridiculous uh, do you feel? Oh, the, I agree. Do you oh, feel the yeah, same? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, when I'm on the money, you could hang a plumb bob at one twenty, and I'm going to hit the string. And I mean that's an exaggeration, but literally, when obviously second, third axis, everything else being equal, I just literally it's such a fluid movement when I'm when I'm operating everything correctly. I never have lefts and rights, and for me, when I'm with a when I have a wrist rocket or even over on a thumb button, I may have three out of five that are good, but I'm going to have one or two wingers. I'm going to have a couple, um, you know, whatever call it loft or whatever you want. I'm going to have more than I do with uh, a hinge style release, and I, you know, I think not to dive too far down the rabbit hole, but you know, having you on the phone, the one thing that I think a lot of people you know, whether it be internet warriors or guys actually listening to learn something, when you're testing new gear out, if you haven't used the first piece of gear long enough and perfected that to move to test the second, you know, you're not really testing shit anyway. You're basically just throwing a bunch of arrows downrange. And when you talk about that finite, final step of perfecting anything, 
you don't hear that. You don't see that. And you talk about a guy, whether it be shooting two and a half to three inch veins, shooting a thumb button, wrist strap. Well, uh, did you did you perfect one before you moved to the other? Because otherwise, you're just up at the poke and hope. You're just flinging arrows down range. And to get truly precise, where you're you're you know whatever paper tuning bare shafts and knock tuning and really dialing down. Uh, you know, dialing in your tune um, and different setups, four fletch to three fletch to figure out what's best. That's, you know, when you really perfect something and you want to talk to people and express what worked best for you, just flinging a few arrows with a four fletch system on and saying, my arrows group, great, everybody should shoot this, is a crock of shit. You didn't test anything. You didn't find out what was best. And, and finding that finite um point i think is is very important and i don't know how you feel about that but that's where i think that internet bs pops up where you shouldn't be listening is they weren't good enough to talk about it to begin with let alone compare different releases different styles um i'll quit ranting but do you agree with some of that oh yeah yeah i actually i'd like really slowed down and quit doing my live feeds on facebook about a year and a half ago just because i got so sick of these like hunting celebrities that would literally run a live feed the night after mine and do it on the same subjects and just do a really piss poor job of regurgitating what I had done. And it, and it got to the point where it was just like, I can't even listen to this stuff because this guy doesn't know shit about what he's talking about. And actually a few times, um, I had guys that were here at my house. We were grilling and chilling in the backyard, and you know that I had them ask questions from their from their phone, so it didn't look like knock on TV was asking Dude, questions. And it's just like these people have no freaking idea what they're doing, and that's why you know even when I have people here, there's times where I'll have someone here as a student, and they'll feel frustrated, like I don't know you know, this thing just isn't shooting good or this setup isn't really working. It's like, okay, give me that thing. Like, if you want to answer this question, just let me sling three arrows down there because the difference between someone who really is seasoned and someone who isn't is, and I I actually learned this as a pro, when you really become a, a real pro archer, you actually know where your misses are going before they ever go there, just 100% based off your feel when shots break. And you know, like, oh, shit, I had two-thirds of pressure on the inside of the riser. This this freaking thing's going left. You know what I mean? You just – or, you know, you realize as soon as you break, you're like, freaking shit, I felt my thumb barely braze, you know, bottom of my deltoid. This thing's going low right. I mean, you – Learning to compensate um, or learning where your your misses are going, bef- like probably before they've even cleared the bow, those are the those are the guys that a hundred percent can tell you what's up. So that's why when someone says like, "Dude, I tried those broadheads and they freaking fly like darts," it's like, "Well, do, would you shoot one at twenty yards at a block?" Because you know, here's my deal: there's actually broadheads that. I've screwed on and they I'll shoot one and it shoots good. It's like, oh yeah, that thing flies pretty good. Then all of a sudden I'll build another one out of the pack and I'll shoot it and that one's like freaking 
three feet out of the group and it's like wait and a that minute is exactly what i'm talking about yeah it's like <laughs> it's like okay if you grab one broadhead out of a pack one and you shoot it and it shoots right that's a big difference than knowing if i take three of this brand's broadheads out of the pack are they all the same because if they're not that's a problem you know i want and so much of like my research, it's not, you know, and I try and I really, really, really try not to, to badmouth people that have, um, products that have faults, but there's reasons why I pick the stuff that I pick. And a lot of that comes down to that product's ability to come out of a package and nine out of 10 are going to do the same thing. Like if you know, one works, that's a big difference then do you know the six in your quiver work? Like, do you know that? Do you know that that'll happen? Because there's some brands, I can guarantee you, you take the broadheads apart, put the blades back in, push that bushing back against the bottom and tighten it down. It's a completely different broadhead than when you just did it a minute ago. And that's a problem. Oh, yeah, and have the ability to shoot and know that is another problem because a lot of people don't. And I'm not saying I'm a a pro by any means, right? I, I don't, you know, some, I, I've had, um, you know, haters message in, like, I don't know why you're giving advice. You've never won any world championships or whatever. And it's like, no, you know, I, I haven't, I've won, you know, States or whatever, but I can stand here and, you know, shoot at 80 yards with the best of them. And I, and, and I test things at a high level. And that's the thing is getting advice from, which, I mean, not to go down the rabbit hole even further, but I like truly deep rabbit holes. When a, <laughs> when a guy can't hit a freaking stop sign. Yep. Well, okay. For me, you you can't argue with the dynamic like wind, right? Wind drag. Right. I'm not saying it is impossible to get a fixed blade broadhead to hit the same as your field points at 80, but I'm saying there is a finite amount of broadheads and a finite amount of people that it can even tell it would even know. And it's not because the fixed blade broadhead is bad. It's, it's physics. It's science. It's physics. <laughs> it's so physics. So when I get chuckle puppets that say, oh, I got these to hit the 120, I'm like, really? So so you just defied physics? Like, what are you, Aladdin? Like, how the hell did you make that happen? Because it is physics, and there's nothing wrong with the broadhead. It is just wind drag. It's and surface course, area. it's going to hit lower. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I've seen guys um later man i've seen guys uh you know profess their faith in a certain product that were just shooting dirt naps one after another not dirt nap broadhead but just arrows taking dirt naps over and over and over at the range and then the next day talking about how accurate they are and i'm like you know people are going to listen to you yeah pecker would and they're going <laughs> to spend their money on something that doesn't work yeah i'm a I have a hard time because I really try to I really try to talk positive about any product um and if I do have to speak negatively I normally try to figure out a way where people can figure it out but where I'm not doing something that might hurt a company because I don't want to hurt any company in the archery industry um so you know, it's it's just like um, I'll give this as an example. The other day, I did a live feed. I was finishing up a bow build that I did for a guy. He had a certain site company on there, and 
I know that they sell a lot of sites, but I said, listen, here's what I don't like about this site. I don't like the fact to where if I have to move this head from this position to this position, I've completely undone my second and third axis. Like that's a problem. Then I said, here's the other problem. You know, right now I'm hitting eight inches left at 60. So I'm going to have to loosen this, the front of this thing. I'm going to micro adjust it over to the left and then I'm going to tighten it back down. And I said, okay, when I loosen it, this head goes up. When I tighten it, it goes down. So I've spent a lot of time on my second and third axis. And now if I have to adjust my left and rights, if I don't tighten this down exactly the same, I've now changed my second axis, which if I change my second axis, I change my high and low impact. So I told him. But you just saying that I already know what product you're talking about because <laughs> I about threw it in the. I was like, "Are you kidding?" Me? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's like sometimes um, people don't realize they'll say, "Well, this thing just isn't shooting." Well, imagine imagine you're a guy that goes out. You th- you think you did a good job getting a scale from twenty to seventy. You put this sticker on. Then all of a sudden you start shooting at 70, you realize you're a little left, you loosen this thing up, you move it over, and then now all of a sudden you tighten it down and you over-tighten it a little bit to where now all of a sudden you start shooting three or four inches high and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to move my sight up a little bit, I'm going to move it up there, you know, and then next thing you know, your entire scale is off and you don't know any better. Like you don't know how to put all those little pieces together of cause and effect and I don't know. I think so many people that are, well, there's a lot of people that are delivering information that say the same. And hey, don't, don't, uh, don't feel like you're alone about getting questioned about turn. I've got guys just in the last two weeks, I've had it like, I don't even, I'm losing track now. How many people are saying, how is John Dudley giving people advice? When was, when's the last time he ever won a tournament? It's like, these people don't realize that I was shooting tournaments when they were probably maybe still shitting their freaking diapers. You know, I, I I'm an old guy now. I'm gray. I'm gray. <laughs> I'm a gray headed dude. You mentioned, when you mentioned step earlier, I don't know uh, what we was at a Cabela's tournament in Lincoln, Nebraska. You were on the left side of me. Step was in front of me. I was a fat bastard at this time. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and uh, were you there? It was, uh, yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska. I was there, and I, I think I, I did. I think I ended up picking maybe fourth in the pin class. Um, wow. But I was shooting. I almost remember Step for sure was shooting a Carter three finger uh, thumb button. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It called. was a four finger BK. Yeah, BK. He... That was it. Yep, a BK. <laughs> Um, and I think you were shooting a uh, Carter Avenger or a Colby, a yeah, Colby. I was shooting Ulmer's, Ulmer's um, Revenger, dude. Revenger. Cause I was shooting one too. Cause I had Tony's. Oh, um, God. that's hilarious. and I remember looking back thinking, man, my form is a lot like this dude behind me. And I think you were probably 20 at the time, 20. No, you were older than me. So you're probably 28. Um, or something like that. Anyway, it's funny. Fast forwarding now, um, you know, looking back or whatever, I because I, I remember you at that time. I think you were shooting a Matthews, and a few years later, you went to Hoyt. That was that was the Cabela's tour, dude. That was eighteen yeah, years ago. That was eighteen yep. years ago. I mean, Dave, well, this is. What, yeah. <laughs> I just some of the haters that I get messages from. One works for 
one of my most unfavorite companies. He doesn't realize, I guess, I'm, I, I'm not, I, well, I'm 41. How old are you? Uh, 42. Okay. He, I don't think he realizes that I was shooting tournaments that long ago. And now yeah, that was the Cabela's tour two years before they canceled it, or one year. And it was in the World Championships in Lincoln. Yeah, um, I have that. I have that. About. I have the cup right behind me, dude. It's literally yeah. There ta- you go. Tarnish. <laughs> it's right behind me. That I think that was like 1999 or something. Maybe. Uh, so yeah, it was one was of the, army. Yeah, it was one of those years, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I feel like the way we shot then was almost ahead of its time, or maybe it was just time. Maybe the way we shot was timeless. But that's funny. Um, it's funny you recognize it. Yeah, I was shooting a two finger at the time. I remember that. I had to. Well, I, p- I had to pick step up in Kansas City. I lived in. Uh, I lived in Wisconsin at that time, and I had to pick uh, step up. And we were driving through Nebraska um, in my my Dodge Ram twenty five hundred with the old uh we were listening to some eminem and it just came out we're just jamming i had my freaking foot stomped to the pedal and we ended up getting pulled over on this highway and it was like midnight one in the morning and uh the cop pulled me out of the pulled me out of my truck (laughs) took me up to his car meanwhile dave and uh i think christine was there with too um they were taking pictures of me uh at the back of this cop cars thing. And then, uh, he ended up being a bow hunter and let me off because he came back and we started talking, uh, how to shoot. And then Dave and I ended up giving this cop some shooting lessons. Once he realized we were pro archers, we ended up giving him some lessons about one in the morning on the side of the highway. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's funny. I, I, there's things that stick out in your mind as we're going in the past. I remember, um, I step was shooting and, and, uh, I was shooting out the bottom at 50 on the practice bail. And I remember saying, looking at him, I didn't know it was David, uh, step, right. I was just, I mean, I knew who David step was, but I'd never met him in person. Um, and I just looked over and I said, are you shooting out the bottom of that? Cause I don't think that's 50 yards. And he, you know, so he goes, actually I am. And I'm thinking, okay, I know this guy's a pro. I can at least shoot half-ass and not look too stupid beside him. You know, at that time, because I was shooting in the bow hunter class. Yep. Um, you know, at that time, because, you know, when you're, when you're young, and I wasn't, you know, I had just gotten into, like, competitive archery. Um, going and seeing, like, watching, uh, you know, all you guys shoot was kind of amazing, because when you shoot locally, there's a few guys in each state that can shoot really well, or, or in Colorado, but... You know, having that many guys lined up in a row just drilling it at 50, I was like, wow, I need to practice more. This is crazy. But <laughs> Well, I know. Uh, so were you shooting in the release class with with pins? Yeah. You were shooting. That's like back when uh, I forgot his last name, but Louie. Louie was like, I remember he was just this pin shooter that was just ridiculously good. And then everyone talked yep. him into moving into pro class because his scores were so high with fixed pins, but it just wigged, it just the- yeah, it just wigged him out. Yeah. People don't realize that, you know, the thing is, there's when you're at that level, like Dave and I shot 
every day for hours. And when we practice together, you almost you feel like you're making up a story of how well we could shoot then. That was, you know, when you tell someone this is how we shot, I mean, people think you're making up a story, but it it's true. And the thing is, I'm not that guy now. I'm I'm 42. I don't have 8 hours a day to go out and shoot. I'm I'm good, but I'm not I'm not what I was during those days. Right now, there's kids that were 18 year that are 18 years younger than us that are they're at that point in their life. They have no family. Mm-hmm. They just they can freaking jump in their truck, you know, cruise to their buddy's house throw some car lights on a target in the garage and freaking shoot arrows all weekend and no one asks where they are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, where I would imagine your phone goes off like mine. If I shoot and set my phone down for 30 minutes, oh, yeah. I've probably got 30 text messages, 25 emails, who knows how much to Instagram and Facebook. I got to dip my, so I got to spend another 30 to dig out of that hole before I can shoot another arrow. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like that back in the day when I had one pair of hiking pants and one backpack and didn't know anyone. It's a different day and age now. <laughs> First off, my cell phone at that tournament was in a bag about the size of a shoebox <laughs> that plugged into your cigarette <laughs> lighter <laughs> and laid yeah. on your floor by your shifter. You look like an 80s pimp. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, I remember. Uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I will say one thing you were talking about uh, – like gear that's kind of a letdown. Um, you know, one thing that I recently uh, am I cool to mention products on here? You can mention whatever the hell you want, dude. Um, I well, you know, it's funny. Like, uh, I, have you heard of Valkyrie Archery? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I was shooting skinnies from a trad bow community or from a traditional archery uh, aspect, it's hard to find where you get like uh, where you're super durable up front. Yep. Um, on the skinny shafts. And so I tell you what, that uh, component system, as far as from a skinny shaft traditional archery community, one, I could not believe it's super, super durable. Um, and it's hard to find durability on a skinny shaft when you're stump shooting. But the guy that owns that company's OCD is at a level that I don't know that I've ever seen because his tolerances are so tight. Mm-hmm. Like you have a flea, a flea turd in the arrow. I was super surprised because I had went through, you know, trying to find like the ultimate skinny shaft system for 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 up front anyway for durability. Yep. Um, that was one of the rare few where I was actually surprised at it actually performed the way he had said and was. I mean, oh, actually came out better than I thought it would. Um, uh, as far as like, very rarely does somebody tell me something and it actually does pan out to be as good as they said. Now I don't know. Do you like that system at all, or have you screwed around with it? I haven't screwed around with it, but I've I've actually kind of just I stalk a lot of people um, that yeah. have products that make claims, and he's like he's and normally when I have doubts, I'll buy it because I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna just prove this. I'm gonna prove like my common sense right on this deal but what he's doing is um he's pretty much building arrows the way that i would my own personal dozen and he's charging for it 
you know, and the tolerances are super high. There's, you know, there's a few people, there's a few people in countries like Austria and Germany that are these small niche people that build broadheads and arrow components and like even target points. Like I remember buying target points off a guy in Germany that his stainless steel points for my freaking arrows were so precise. I mean, you could put 12 of them on a scale and the scale, a digital scale wouldn't even change the number. And you know, they were freaking a hundred bucks a dozen for a point for points, but they were, they were that freaking good. Now, based on what I've seen from this guy, he builds an entire system and it's everything from, from literally the knock, the vein configuration, the point, um, you know, the thing that what, what he's doing is on a level to where you would expect it to to be good now his some of his broadheads at certain speeds are going to have limitations because they're they're very long and then obviously you've got to cut your arrow like here's my problem Aaron. my problem is i'm a 31 inch draw even with my rest back i'm still shooting a 29 inch arrow so if I have to shoot an over collar, which I'm a big believer on for micro diameter shafts, including like a four millimeter, like I really like the over inserts, even on like the four millimeter um, injections. The problem is I have to shoot a 30 inch arrow in order to make up for that one inch overlap of the collar. And when I start to make my projectile, 30 inches instead of 29 and then now like say on for example like on his head on his heads his heads are very long too well now i've got a, a 31 and a half inch projectile and i just notice a lot of difference by the time my arrow gets to my length an inch and a half means a lot to me with crosswind so I have to weigh that part of my equation out. So that's why I actually don't shoot micro diameter shafts because of the fact I don't like to have to have extra shaft length in order to work with the over the oversert. Um, what he's doing, I think, is really cool. Um, especially the guy, if there's a guy out there that has no ability to build his own arrows... Um, or do the homework of that, then I think it's a pretty good option. You know, that's why um, sometimes when people ask me, well, can you build me some arrows? I'm like, the number of people I can build arrows for, it's it's pretty much maxed out. I mean, I've got, um, well, I've got people like Rogan that he goes through arrows like I go through socks. So, um, (laughs) and he just, he just loves shooting, you know, and he shoots, he likes shooting groups. That's part of the problem. See, I shoot, I shoot one spot and then (laughs) I don't ram another arrow in there. He crams arrows together every single time he shoots. But, um, this, that Valkyrie company looks like a good option for someone who doesn't want to do any homework. They just want a complete system that that they're willing to pay for but it is expensive it is now if you run it like i do it's not that bad i what i needed was something up front that was durable and consistent and so if you i don't know what the collars are i mean they're expensive but not 
ungodly. I think they're oh, I don't know, twenty bucks for twelve or something. Um, and then the practice points are twenty four for six, maybe something like that. Or it might be twenty and twenty four for six. But where I kind of ran into kind of like the final um, uh, decision for me was the durability in comparison to get three hundred grains up front and have it super durable um, or 250 up front for the traditional archery side um, and not be bent every time I shoot a stump, that was really the final and only option. And I don't, I just run, you know, I run those collars and that center pin and it's not horrible. It's something as a blue collar guy I would buy um, because it does last a long time. And the big like poo poo I had on it originally was I shoot everything. Like I'm, I mean everything, especially with a recurve. I'm flinging it with arrows at all kinds of crap when I'm stump shooting. And what I found when I did the math um, for 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 money was if you run a component system that's stock or factory, you're actually going to be out more money from breaking and bending that than you would from the, the, the durability of the, the Valkyrie system. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I made any sense of that. Oh, yeah. And that's where oh, I'm like, well, mathematically, I could sell somebody on that. Now, when you get to his broadheads, it's 109 bucks for three. Yeah, you're kind of skewing it a different way that way because, you know, the broadhead, as you said, is long. It also can, can bend a little. It is very devastating. Um, you know, it is a good head, but... Um, the head, on the other hand, it, it is a bit pricey, but um, that center pin system and the tolerances are pretty pretty dang good, and it was really the only option for durability I, I had. And, and, and not to throw a sales pitch for Valkyrie, my point was is sometimes things are as good as they say in the archery world. Most of the time, I'm like you. I hear something, and immediately I've got to buy it, and, and I hate to say it, almost prove it wrong because my common sense has kicked in immediately after the sales pitch i've heard and i'm like really yeah i don't know about that i'm gonna have to try that because <laughs> uh sometimes their things are just too good to be true and generally they are but sometimes they're not yeah well you're you're accurate i think it's 100 percent uh 100 percent fair to say i mean if you've tried enough stuff you definitely uh you definitely realize when st- there's certain things to science and physics, and I'm not a I'm not a scientist, I'm not a mathematician, and I'm not a physicist. But I can tell you, I've shot enough stuff to where when I see a certain shape, I'm like, that's gonna make noise. When I see a certain freaking something else, I'm like, that thing's gonna drift like a son of a bitch. I mean, there's no question about it. There's certain types of things that you know, you can look at and it's no different than being like, well, do you think it's going to make a big difference if I put 35, 12 fifties on my truck? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs) What if I put a six inch lift? Yep. Double it. And it's like, well, why (laughs) it's freaking air. It's, it's drag. It, it doesn't change. I mean, that stuff is like super, super, super simple, common sense stuff um well with uh when you shot your compound what arrow did you shoot before the valkyrie oh and i'll tell you i wanted to tell you one other one other problem that i have and this is a problem 
is because of my draw length, I automatically limit myself to what types of arrows I can find stiff enough in order to have a higher FOC. So I have limitations automatically because of the fact that I have a very long arrow. So it's naturally weaker at a longer length than if people that say have a 29 or 28 inch draw length, those two to three inches difference on arrows are massive when it comes to uh, how much drag or uh, how much breakdown you have in that spine, so to speak. So that's that's another reason why I'm kind of a little bit limited on what I can and can't do. Right, right. No, that makes sense. I'm kind of on a, a another problem, different spectrum. I don't. I have a 29 inch draw, but I shoot 85 to 90 pounds out of my uh, compound. Which you know, before anybody emails me to tell me that's not needed. I know, but it makes me feel warm and fuzzy, and I shoot it really well. So I just always have shot high poundage, but it it is a it is a problem getting, in your case, longer longer draw, or in my case, heavier poundage to find an arrow to tune. Um, it, it just because I mean it's hard to find a two fifty spine arrow, um, oh, yeah. especially with any consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm the ex- so, I'm the back- exact same way. Yeah, I shot Axis 260s um, for a while, uh, and I got the, actually, I got some of the, I'm probably going to get in trouble from Easton, I got some of the straight version, the super straight versions before they came out to try. Um, I shot some Carnivore uh, 300 spines from uh, Black Eagle, uh, and I've shot a ton of different gold tips. Um, you know, and the only downside to the gold tip was that, um you know, for me, the aluminum collar half in, half out system, um, I just wasn't a fan of it, which is why I, you know, fell in love with the Valkyrie system. Uh, just because when you're, when you're pumping a 580 grain arrow at 290, I mean, shit's going to break. I mean, there's, you got to have a strong system, not just an arrow, but a strong component system. And I don't think people realize, you know, the strong, you know, you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, if that weakest link is up by the broadhead, that is a problem, and it's a big one. Because the moment of impact, it can snap just behind the broadhead before the arrow even enters the animal, and it happens. And so that was a big problem for me because I shot really heavy arrows at a really high velocity. Um, and yeah, I mean, and it's great for penetrating an animal. I mean, I could shoot an elk in the chest and it come out the other end, but it also is problematic for weak components which I'm sure you run into a lot with your drawing. Oh, yeah. Yep, I do. Um, and actually, um, I've got a, I've got, I've actually got two different um, arrow collaborations that are going to be coming soon. It's supposed to be kind of a top secret. I guess I just let it out of the bag. But hopefully by summer, those are going to be ready to roll. But, um, yeah, just making and really taking – taking some arrows that I really like and then making them come standard with builds that I think make it a better arrow. Um, fully loaded broadhead collars, um, little things like that make a big difference. I mean, um, you know, I don't know if you've, you know, some of the broadhead adapter rings, the difference that they actually make when it comes to durability are massive. I mean, it's huge. Oh, 
I just went through a, yeah, crisis on all of that with the trad. I mean, really, like you would have laughed videoing me. Um, because, you know, my, my fiance has to deal with this being relatively green and hunting is I'm spinning arrows, cussing at the arrow and the components, saying, you know, yelling at the manufacturer, saying this kid should have went in the field and, and uh, maybe left college early or whatever stupid thing I'm saying at the time because, you know, I, I guess maybe, and maybe I'm being overly negative on some of this stuff, but um, I don't think people maybe realize as much as they should before they put a product out how weak that smallest piece can turn into a somewhat catastrophe if if you do make an imperfect shot and and clip the scapula or whatever um it it can totally demolish all momentum you have and it it could be the smallest piece of of um your component system um and maybe i'm being overly anal about it but it is a problem for me it does irritate me well the reality is some people well some people are just going to talk crap uh, no matter what, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm actually really rare to, you know, people ask me, did I see this? Do I see that? I'm like the last person to ever see anything unless one of my really good friends sends it to me. Um, I'm kind of the last person to see anything because honestly, I feel like, I feel like, um, you'll spend more time defending a true statement then then it's worth to make the statement so i don't know i just don't yeah. i don't i don't go down those rat holes i i actually i lo- i made an account to archery talk probably 10 or 15 maybe 20 years ago and i went in there i went in there two times legitimately like i was working at matthews at the time people were having some like you know questions on single cambos and i was in there like legitimately trying to help people out and then the guys that you know either just want to freaking have something to say or something like that they would jump in there and you'd be down this negative rat hole within seconds and then i'm just like all right i'm out like i have a million things i'd rather be doing so when it comes and that's kind of my whole platform is um and probably why you and i like haven't really ever seen each other i'm just like i find (laughs) i find these little crevices to hide under when i go to these big shows like you know the western show or the ata show like i go and make my appearance where i need to but when it comes to nighttime it's like give me my circle of trust and where can we get out of the way? Because I just, man, I don't, I just can't like, I can't fuel myself on going down some of those rat holes because it's just like, I can sit here and explain myself for days because that's how long it took me to figure some of this stuff out or I can just avoid it. I don't know. And maybe that's the wrong way to do yeah. it, but that's just how I do it. I Now I'm the same way, which you obviously you've heard or, or I've told you and I can't remember, but I, one, I will, like I didn't even go to Western this year, and we're ATA. Um, I went hunting with Frank, which was awesome. Um, and you, know, they, they, everybody gives me crap because when the show's over, I go to the gym and then I go to the room, and I'm really kind of an old fart. Like I don't, the party scenes not me, or the social gathering scenes not for me. I'm, my, they say Mister Business, but maybe it's I'm Mister Anti. I'm a really introverted when it comes to those, uh, you know. 
by different atmospheres. Frank's the same way, you know, it's just not my thing. And yeah, same thing on the forum stuff, whether it be archery or backpack hunting or whatever. I just, I've, I've gotten off forums completely because not to say what everything, everything that, that, you know, that I say or do is correct, but I certainly don't want to spend half my day on a 200 post thread on why I feel you should eat 3,400 calories instead of 2,800 calories. I mean, God forbid you listen to the guy that spends six months a year in the wilderness. I'm just trying to help. Yep. It's not something I want to argue about, so I've gotten off those things as well. <laughs> yep, well, that's uh, I think it's smart. I think it's, I think it's wise. I think people that have knowledge are also the ones that spend more time figuring it out rather than trying to freaking listen to everyone else's opinions about it so yeah it's uh i don't know i've i don't know why i let it i shouldn't say it let i let it bother me but i actually mentioned it um just the fact that there's been a few of these guys that have kind of questioned what i have and haven't done in the industry it was kind of just i don't know it just got to the point where it's like listen dude i uh I can't sit here and talk to you about stuff I did freaking 20 years ago. You know, I mean, I don't even remember him. I don't even remember him at that tournament until freaking Aaron Schneider says, Hey, remember that time <laughs> when you're in Lincoln, Nebraska? And I'm like, what? Oh yeah. Okay. I was there. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was 99 or 2000. Um, a long time ago. And I, I think what, uh, the most important thing that I've gotten to kind of a, I hate to say a place of peace with, but I'm, you know, what I'm doing and, and my partner, Frank, on the podcast, we're just trying to help guys shorten the learning curve, um, help them save money, right? Help them become, whether it be fitness, backpack hunting, archery, whatever it is, we're trying, we're just trying to help. And if, if someone has a tiny enough pecker to hop on there to piss on my day, they got their own problems. And so I try to not ever let it bug me and just move on because, you know, it's a free service. Um, you know, what you're doing obviously is huge, um, you know, helpful for many archers. I mean, that's who, I mean, you're who I send people to to learn from. And if somebody's going to dive on there, you know, and talk shit, it's kind of like, I mean, really, man? Well, why don't you start your own podcast, work at it real hard, let me know how it works out for you, and then I'll sit back and take pop shots at you because everybody's got you know, if you're really digging, I mean, you can always find something to say about someone, but in the end, you're just trying to help people, and, and that goes a long way, and I don't, I've kind of come, come to that conclusion that no matter what, um, you know, I, I guess if, as my buddy would say, if you haven't been investigated by the Department of Wildlife, you haven't killed enough stuff, and if you don't have people <laughs> that have, don't like you, uh, you're not doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, both both very good points. Um, yeah. so you still, do you still shoot a clicker now in your, um, your hinge release? No, I mean, I say no. Um, I, I prefer not to, um, now depending, I, you know, I have multiple hinges set up at different, um, speeds when I'm practicing and more, it's just a, a matter of, um, of an aiming tool to, uh, as weird as this is, maybe make myself let down. Um, but when I'm like, when it's, you know, money time or whatever, I'm shooting just like you and I talked, super hot, no clicker. And, uh, you know, most people would break all their teeth out shooting it themselves. Mm -hmm. I just feel that's the correct way to operate it. 
Yeah, I think I think people can definitely um, get that get to that level once they've once they've learned it and understood it enough. And I'm a big advocate of um, one of the things, one of the lessons that I taught people was, you know, once you actually get the release and you understand it, um, and if you have a serious problem with target panic, one of the next steps is having some releases that are set on multiple speeds just to where you're able to um, not anticipate, you know, because you can, you can start to learn rotation just as quick as you can you know learn how much pressure you put on a trigger so having variation in that for me i had to do that i i honestly had to shoot back then when you saw me i'm certain i had a pouch with like a bunch of revengers in there it wasn't going to be what i got the idea from a woman (laughs) yeah me too yeah me too and i think i talked about i talked about the fact um that omer really changed how everybody uh, did it at that time. He, um, you know, he was shooting a bag full of releases because he because he struggled with anticipation. You know, that was his way of overcoming it. You know, he figured out the way to overcome it, and uh, and he was pretty. You know, he really wasn't a textbook archer. Like when you watched him, he wasn't like a textbook person he just really figured out a way to make a surprise shot and a hundred percent perfect the way that he does things and got really freaking good at it you know and i think that's what i think that's what we all need to do yeah no no i i agree and you know like for me i actually as weird as it is hunt with a clicker um uh, when I hunt with a back tension, I buff it down so that click is like a flea fart. Um, I don't <laughs> suggest people sanding the clicker because um, you can screw up your. You, you might want to order six or seven half moons because you're probably going to screw some up. But um, just enough to where I know if I'm going to shoot an animal walking or you know something that there's a click there to to let me know if it's you know to hold up right at that point if I need to. And I know it's kind of weird and it's definitely not maybe orthodox um but it's certainly or it's unorthodox but it's certainly um it 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 worked for me um now i shot i've probably shot 30 or 40 animals with just a straight up um uh you know hinge style setup super hot but i've had a couple times like i said steep up and down angles where i'm like you know i may gain a little bit from from doing this in accuracy or i may lose a little bit shooting off the clicker but I just felt more comfortable with it in a hunting situation. So, yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to you have to have your crap together if you're shooting something that hot. But there's also um, when it is that hot, you almost are more aware of it because you're like, oh, well, for, I, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I you almost, are on the draw. <laughs> yeah, I almost want it. You know, I kind of like having that difference of it is hot enough to where I'm like, oh okay, yeah, you better have your crap together when you pull this back or it's not going to be good. Yeah, up, uphill was the one that, um, up and downhill, but um, uphill would definitely get me more than downhill. But either one was definitely more difficult, especially in field shoots, um, you know, shooting it super hot where I really had to concentrate where I had it that hot, where you're talking like, um, 
you know, whether it be in like an whatever 80 yard walk up or something, and it's super, super steep. Um, 80, I might have got, uh, was a little shaky, but as I'm walking up, my next shot, I had a little more control on it, as bad as that sounds, uh, when I was shooting one that hot initially. I mean, I guess I'm only saying that is if you're listening to us uh, or me, um, I wouldn't just say, you know, Aaron and John were talking about shooting it super hot. I'm going to go ahead and crank this cam way back because they said so. Um, be prepared to punch yourself in the face. I'd be pretty cognizant of screwing around with that thing until you really master it. Shoot it on level ground and really pay attention before you break all your teeth out because I learned that one the hard way as well. <laughs> well, I want to uh, – I think it would be – I think it would be valuable for people if you got a hinge release. I did put out, well, there's three videos. One is how to adjust the too smooth, um, which I wish I could get you one. If you're shooting your compound more, I'd get you one. They're like gold right now. They're freaking sold out as soon as I put them up. But I actually, I actually tried to order one because my everybody kept asking me about <laughs> what I thought of it, and I was like, oh, I'll just grab one, and. Uh, and sure enough, uh, yeah, you didn't have any, so at some point in time, for sure. Because I still do some tech tip stuff with the compound, um, but I, I'm interested to try it because I, I tell you what, uh, the I'll send back, I'll send you mine because I'll have I'll get more in before I uh, before I need to shoot this thing again. I'll send you mine today, and uh, yeah, I'm curious. It's it's nice because you have it's essentially three different Carters built into one. Um, <laughs> I've always liked. I liked the I like the two moons because you have the ability to adjust your clicker and essentially you'll be able to have your click and you'll have, it won't be that noisy and you can literally set it to where you've got a half a thousandth and it's firing after the click or you can put it to where you freaking twist your wrist in half to get it to fire after the click. So there's two independent moons plus the one moon on the left adjust the actual head angle so if you want to shoot it like um me and clem like you lay the head down um to where you actually lay that angle down and if you want to have if you want to have it to where you manipulate your hand more once you're at full draw to get to a position you like some people like to 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 roll their hand quite a bit until they get to that click and then they like to kind of pull through at the end then you can make the head more vertical and uh do it that way but um what's nice about it too is the whole position um the whole position is set to where you're able to shoot like a silverback or a knock to it with having the same feel of draw length it's pretty minimal and actually i talked to brian uh today because he was saying you know the hardest thing for him to get used to was he was so used to holding a release where there wasn't much separation at all between the index finger and the middle finger because most people that make just a hinge they can maybe they can make that gap really tight together which the revengers used to be that way but because your index finger and your middle finger are so close together what I find is it's harder for you to really feel underneath your jawbone with your index finger and then have your middle finger up above that jawbone, which is really where I like to teach people to anchor, um, mainly because I really like the positioning that puts the arrow on your face. 
And this release, I kept that gapping the same so that when you slide your fingers in a knock to it, the gapping between your index finger and your middle finger are the same. So if you keep your hand straight, you're able to actually feel that security um, and repeatability of the index finger up underneath the jawbone and then the middle finger sitting right on the high side. So, um, And then I've always really liked the head on the total control because it auto closed um, because of the magnet. So, you know, I've kind of taken several releases and put them into the one. And, you know, so far, uh, people have been super happy with them. So yeah, I'll, I'll get you, uh, I'll send you one and let you tell me what you think. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. And I mean, it's funny you bring up Brian because he, um, you know, initially, like, you know, that was like, he, he went through the whole, well, he's about halfway through the journey of the hinge style release. And I think he would probably better with a pressure release, um, you know, personally, <coughs> excuse me, but I mean, it's good that he's able to talk with you on some of this stuff because he shot, you know, relatively good with the hinge, but I just think for the most part, um, each person is going to be, um, everybody, there's going to be definitely a, somebody's going to either sway towards a hinge style or towards a pressure release style, uh, more one than the other. And it seemed with Brian, it seemed like he might be better with a pressure release style, but I, I could be wrong. Have you, have you shot with him much at all? I haven't. Or just talked with him? I haven't, but just based on, I mean, based on, if I were to sit down and talk with him and be listening to him the same as what I would a student that I was going to work with, just he some of the some of the key wording that he that he mentions during our convers, conversation would he I think he's battling some panic demons in there that would far outweigh a thumb trigger even though he'd probably feel more comfortable there, but I think having someone that that really, really built confidence in understanding what causes the release that he's shooting to have variation and feel, I think would be, uh, would be really, really advantageous for him. That's why, you know, right now he's shooting a two smooth and he kind of said at first, I didn't really, I couldn't really get used to the difference in the finger separation between what he was shooting before, which was a true ball. And then he said, but he goes, but now that I've done it, he's like, I actually feel like I'm, I feel like I like it better. And I just said, well, it's good that you recognize that. And I, I told him, I said, I need to tell you why, because I feel like a lot of what makes archers good is having the confidence in what they're doing is right. Um, it's not that they're taught a better way. It's just, you know, I, it's like that a lot with uh, parents will come to me and they'll be like, you know, I tell my kid to do this all the time and they will not listen. But if, but when you said it now, they, now they do it every time. So I think sometimes just having the confidence of what you're doing is right. And coming from someone that you trust is, uh, makes, makes leaps and bounds, uh, I guess to their confidence and, and I think for archery, confidence is probably more important than anything when it comes to accuracy. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And it almost just seems like some people, even though maybe they 
aren't overly great shots can like wills a damn arrow into the 12 ring out of straight confidence could be what'd you shoot that for oh 36 and you're like well look it was 42 how are you still in the 10 ring well i think a lot of that maybe not that that you know vast difference but confidence in your shot creates consistency and if you have consistency in form uh you're going to execute a better shot compared to a guy that let's say was dialed into the right yardage but wasn't as confident he's going to have more flaws and in my opinion anyway in his form that creates an inconsistent shot or can which is why i agree 100 percent with what you said even if you're wrong on the yardage you're wrong on something if you're confident in your shot um, you have less mishaps in other different areas, which can save your bacon sometimes. Having confidence in what you're doing, what's in your hand, what bow you have, what arrow. I mean, Brian, for example, struggled forever with four-fletch um, AAE max stealths. He just kept saying over and over how much the wind drag was, and it was blowing his arrows out of the way. And, and uh, where I was confident with it, I liked that setup which, looking back, I should have just changed his veins so he would have shut up about it and been happy because he was not confident in that four-fletch setup that that, um, that I was using. And just because I was confident in it certainly didn't mean that he was going to be. And so, I mean, it goes a long ways. I probably should have changed it because in the back of his mind, he was always worried about too much wind drift. And I had the confidence or the, the wherewithal to, to aim off when needed. If there was a strong wind, I don't have any problem aiming off the animal if needed. Right. And uh, he hadn't he hadn't shot enough to where he could do that. And in fact, one of the elk he shot um, was a good example. He, he knew to aim off, but he just couldn't aim off. And, and that just comes from, you know, shooting enough or whatever. And, and I've shot enough to where I don't mind aiming off I mean, I'll aim off two feet if needed. It doesn't. It doesn't bug me at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, when it comes to hunting, uh, people ask me a lot why I why I choose certain things because some of my stuff's dated. Like, I mean, honestly, they don't make my stabilizers anymore. They don't make my well, my sight right now that I have anyway. They don't make any more. The new one coming out, they'll have, but. Um, even some of my backpacks, um, which is in your category, my release pouch, like, you know, even some of my binoculars, people are like, why, why are you using this stuff? And it's like, I have confidence in it. When I go into the woods, um, when I go into the woods, I don't, I do not want to have doubts in my equipment because that's, that's not good. I want to know what I'm carrying there is bulletproof and I want to feel like I've used it so many times to where if something broke off and flew through the air, I could literally like pick it up and put it back together blindfolded. Like that's what I want to be able to do. Um, and I feel like my confidence on the hunts, um, I think it directly relates to my success on the hunt, you know, or, you know, filling my tag. I think when you're there, and, and honestly, a lot of the areas I go to, I go to the same spots. Um, and it's not because, you know, some of the spots I go to, I know I'm going and I'm going to shoot a, if I shoot a 300 inch bull, that's going to be the biggest bull that area can produce. But I don't care. I feel like I can go there. I know my way around. I know that if, if I need to hunt until the last second of daylight, I can. And, you know, I know, 
how I can get back. If I feel like I don't, if I can't get back, I know where I could house up for a night. I mean, all that stuff, um, all that stuff I think is really, really important for a hunter is just having the confidence in, you know, in their equipment, their gear, um, obviously their shot process. I mean, and all that, honestly, that comes from the repeatability of just doing it, doing the same thing continually, continually, continually. And it just ingrains. No, for, for sure. And I mean, actually, um, uh, Frank, the, my partner in crime here, he's a very prime example of that. I'll, you know, I'll be like, Hey, you know, this guy wants to send us whatever it is. And, you know, Frank's like, no, I'm good when I'm using words <laughs> because he's confident, he's confident in it and he doesn't want to switch one. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass, but two, you don't, you, no need to fix if something that's not broken, even because even if it's free, um, you know, and, it, and there's something to be said for that because if you're that confident in what you got and you're giving up a bunch of brand new free stuff, you're pretty damn confident in what you got. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, what um, I'm going to ask a little bit about um, the Kafaru model. Mm-hmm. Um, so did I don't really know how did all that start just based on kind of you doing your thing? Um, well, it, it, I'll try to make it quick. So Patrick Smith um, is the the owner of Kafaru, and he actually started Mountain Smith backpacks years ago. Um, and then uh, and they make but still they're still in business. They make all kinds of stuff. He sold that and then uh, started Kafaru International. He had uh, three daughters. And just, I mean, literally, like, in there, I was kind of a godsend to them, and they were to me. I came in one day because I spent way too much time in the field and was testing out different products. And I came in just to get one of their packs to test it out. Um, Patrick became a father to me, and I've taken his place as president of the company. Um, You know, we've been in business since 1985. I mean, one of, literally, one of, I have to spend 150 nights a year in the wilderness or he might shoot me with his 338 because he is a strong believer in you have to live off what you sell. So yep. if your life depended on it, which it does because I'm in the field that much, I mean, it's sometimes over 200 nights a year. And so that's how I was trained by him. It was ingrained in me, American-made, American components. It's all made here in this building, or most of it anyway. Um and that, um, you know, I get to go hunt six months out of the year because I'm testing constantly. Um, obviously, I do the marketing at the same time. And, you know, for example, if you needed an archery pack, um, I, you know, for, for you know, I'm an archer as well. But let's say you needed a tournament pack. Um, it's this, it's no different you and I designing that pack as it would be someone from us with an ODA team you are the professional, I'm going to throw my two cents in, and we're going to come out with the best pack we possibly can for tournament archery. Um, you know, that's how he has always been, and I, nothing is going to change while I'm at the helm. Um, and it's a super cool place to be because, you know, where else can I be, you know? I mean, last year on a goat hunt with Brian, we're on horseback, however many, 20, 30 miles in, testing the frame I came out, we came out with yesterday we tested that thing for two years and we released it yesterday afternoon. Um, you know, to be able to tweak it like that, and you know how that is. It's nothing better than seeing something, you know, 
finally released that you've been working on and kind of put your heart and soul into and you know is a amazing product so yeah i don't know if that's your question but <laughs> yeah for sure i wasn't i wasn't um i wasn't really familiar with the background um and haven't really used used any of the stuff but there i know that i i know that everyone that i have good respect for um that does really like this stuff um and they're into it more than me you know that's it's hard for me to give people advice on being a backpack hunter because i think of people like you or remy and i'm like okay i'm not the guy like that's that's their that's where they live so they're you know they're the guys but um it definitely looks looks super cool looks legit i like it i mean all the different stuff i'll have to send you send you one out to, to try out um you know see what you think especially as big as you are i can't imagine you find too many large framed backpacks that you're not carrying all the weight on your shoulders no not really um you know honestly joe sent me um joe sent me one of the outdoorsman's packs just um for rucking because he knows that i ruck a lot and i kind of told him that i always got sick of how bad packs fit me when i just put weights on them so he gave me the one that you know where you can put plates on it and stuff and um that one really can't fit you (laughs) really it feels pretty good on my back but you know i guess i have i have no no and i you know when i say that i get along great with outdoorsmen's um those guys are awesome when you get to um you know when you're talking about like the finite parts of your body to finally execute a release um we go into much with that deep of detail to we where we want exactly for you to be able to carry 65 to 70% on your hips and whatever 30% 25% on your shoulders and be able to displace the weight from your shoulders to your hips as needed and when the frame isn't tall enough in the case of that outdoorsman frame nothing wrong with the frame i mean it's just not as tall when you put that on whether you realize it or not the moment you get mine and you put mine on, you're going to probably have like sore hip flexors because your hip flexors aren't used to packing that amount of weight, even though that portion of the body can last way longer than your shoulders hauling heavy weight. Right. And so, um, and again, uh, outdoorsmen's guys are awesome. I run their tripods and, and their pack's great. I, that Atlas pack's great for training, but just breaking it down to fitting you that specific like for backpack hunting you know if you're going to carry 120 pounds out your shoulders can't take that you have to get quite a bit of that weight on your hips right and with our system we're, we're able to do that just because you know we're custom made to your body size so when you call us you give us your height weight inseams build all of that and we build the pack around your body oh that's cool yeah that's super cool yeah yeah that's probably something i'm in need of at some point yeah that would be good um well we need to uh i asked you enough questions i think next time we need to do your podcast and then you can grill me yeah no i think that's a good idea i mean i already know i'm going to grill you uh on all the uh the different things um people ask me about on uh form archery and a million other different things because i think when you do a podcast like this the benefit is like echoes through time because people can come back and and listen and learn so yeah i think that would be that would be awesome um 
you know, for sure. And I know it'd be good to get Frank on that one as well, because I know Frank, um, you know, would have a bunch of questions as well and pick your brain on certain things. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be great. That would be great. Um, well, cool, dude. I appreciate it. I know you got a you got a meeting or something you got to get into. You might even be. Are you late for it now? No, no. I got an hour and fifteen minutes. Oh. It's tw- we're an hour behind. So all right, <laughs> okay. Well, I've got to get. Uh, I actually have to get two bows built before I head to Austin here. So um, I do appreciate it. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com